So before we read that scripture, I wanna share a couple of important pieces of information with you. Uh, just a reminder of my personal winter weather policy, which is if the county isn't closed because of road conditions, we're open. That's my policy. I like it because it's not complicated. My hope is, is that you understand that if the county was to be closed because of hazardous road conditions, that we would do that in compliance with the law. But if we're not closed, then we are uh, also expecting you to use your judgment and good uh, wisdom to decide whether the road conditions and the conditions around the church property are safe enough for you to uh, be a part of things here. And so we won't mind if you stay home to be safe, but we'll be thrilled if you're here with us. And along with that, I wanna give you a piece of advice. Uh, in fact, yesterday, afternoon I drove home from South Bend with my family after visiting my son and daughter-in-law up there and uh, we got right in the middle of some serious lake effect snow and I got to tell you the first hour and a half or so of our drive back to Jasper was whiteout conditions snow all over the roads and and it reminded me that I had already planned to share this advice with you and that is that even though Jasper doesn't seem to get much snow these days, be prepared. Make sure that you have some basic safety supplies in your car. Don't assume that because the church is just up the road or Walmart's just over there that in the middle of the winter you'll just drive there and come back. I mean, do you see all those people walking around Walmart in their pajamas? They're not prepared. <laughs> be prepared. Dress for your trip. <laughs> Take some kitty litter or something in case you get stuck. Take some, uh, take some warm clothes and some hand warmers. Take some uh, basic supplies and be prepared for the possibility that your ordinary trip will not be ordinary. Because in the winter, one little thing goes wrong and you're in grave danger and we tend to be a little bit lackadaisical about these things. Now I can just hear somebody right now, probably Charlie, saying, Pastor, shut up and preach. <laughs> we didn't come here to get a lecture on safety. It's true. In fact, the pulpit is, is, is a very sacred thing. And in my opinion, there's nobody should stand in this place and lead you in worship and in particular bring you a message from God's word that doesn't understand that, as it has been said, the preacher's charge is declaring what God has said, explaining the meaning and establishing the implications so that no one will mistake its relevance. So yeah, I understand that that's what this pulpit is for, but I also know that it is my job as your pastor, as your shepherd and friend, to help you to be prepared. And so I risk using this pulpit to remind you to be safe in your cars because I have done the research and I am certain that winter is coming. <laughs> I have done the research and I am certain that at least once or twice in the next few months there will be hazardous road conditions. And to be honest with you, I've researched a lot of other things that I'd like for you to be prepared for as well. And so today I've kind of created a message that's built around the same advice, but about other more important things. And we begin then by hearing how the apostle Peter, the shepherd of his flocks for the ages, 
has given the same sort of advice to his beloved, which includes you. So now we're going to read Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 3, which I've just lost. I mean, I'll tell you what. Technology is letting us down today, and yet the Lord shows up anyway. So Second Peter... Remember when we used to get out these, these leather-bound things called books? And, and we would read from them. So, 2 Peter is the promise of the Lord's coming. And I am almost there. Here we go. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, where is this coming that you promised? Even ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are, pre are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may be carried away by the may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. 
but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and forever. Amen. And that's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Wow, Peter said it all really well. I'm not sure that I should go any further. We've already had it told in beautifully uh, stated in the children's sermon, and now the Apostle Peter has said it plainly, and it's easy for us to get our minds around it by that uh, reference that Peter makes to all the things that have been said up to this point, and now I'm going to try to add to that? I don't know. But I will say that I've joined with countless believers throughout the ages who really believe that Jesus is coming again. And so I can tell you from my own personal faith that I am confident that Christ is coming, that Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's what the author of Hebrews said. And I can tell you that there are dozens and dozens of passages in the Bible that refer to Christ's second coming. There really isn't much confusion among Christian believers about the fact of his second coming. Now, there's this other thing called the rapture that gets a lot of mixed reviews from different people with different points of view. And I won't go there today other than to quote scripture from uh, a letter to Timothy in a minute. But what I want you to hear plainly is, is there's no doubt in the believer's mind that Christ will come again. And the big question is when? And as you heard in the children's sermon, we don't know. Jesus himself said we can't be sure of when that will come. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is sitting over on the, the uh, Mount of Olives looking back at the temple and, and he's talking with his friends. And, and this is what's really neat is that he really does give them insider information at times. And it's almost, it's almost hard to realize that that's what's going on when you're reading the scripture because it moves so rapidly from one public discourse to one private discourse. But Jesus' friends are, are asking him, his closest associates are saying, now Peter, or, or uh, Jesus, we, we hear you saying that, that something really big's coming. Well, exactly what is that gonna look like and, and when is that gonna happen? And Jesus says, that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then there will be two men in the field and one will be taken and one will be left. The woman will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. You know, your favorite news source, whether it's out of Evansville or Louisville or wherever, they run those promos, don't they? Keeping you prepared, right? They, they want you to know that they're watching out for you and they're letting you know. And you're kind of glad of it, especially when you've heard that bad weather's coming or something like that. But when preachers start sharing the reality that Jesus is coming again and we ought to be prepared, that we're usually met with two extreme responses. We're either met with the extreme uh, devotion to the message and, oh, preach it, pastor, go preach it, pastor. And what they really are meaning, meaning for me to do is to tell them how 
you know, the current president is the Antichrist and how the Pope is going to destroy the world. And, you know, they really want me to go into that kind of stuff. I just don't do that. I'm sorry. If you want that kind of preaching, you'll have to get it somewhere else. I, I am here, though, to warn you and remind you to be prepared in the same spirit in which I reminded you to prepare yourself for winter weather. It isn't in any way meant to trivialize the second coming of Jesus, but rather it isn't intended either to sensationalize the second coming of Jesus. To me, both are wrong. And in the same way, some people will hear this message and say, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of superstitious nonsense. The world is just as it is. And if you recall from the passage I just read from Peter, it was a problem in his day as well. People don't take it seriously enough. And so what I wish to convey to you this morning is that this Advent season is a reminder to us to take seriously the promises that are made in the Bible. Because as surely as the promises of Christ's first coming were fulfilled, so the second coming will come with the same sort of prophecy, with the same sort of fulfillment of signs and wonders. And we must we must be prepared. We must recognize that when it happens. Um, you know, when I was in South Bend this week, they said it'll start to snow around two o'clock in the morning. Well, I wasn't awake, but someone who was said, you know, we started seeing flurries right around two o'clock in the morning. And when I woke up, there was already a couple of inches on the ground. And that was predicted, and the signs were there, and by the time I uh, awoke, I saw that what had been predicted had come to pass. And in the same way, I mean for you to hear that Scripture is telling us the same thing about Christ's second coming. There will be signs. There will be indications. You know, as I was walking in the church this morning, I was reading the signs, and and I was thinking how glad I am this church has signs all over the place because, because people who come here, especially for the first time, they don't know where anything is. In fact, we've gone out of our way to make some of the signs easier to read because we've kind of realized that, that, that it's hard to know exactly where to go. And as I was walking in, I was thinking, you know, signs tell us where we're going and how to get there. Signs tell us where we've been. You know, and, and so signs are a really good thing and we should be alert to them. Um, have you ever found yourself embarrassed as I have when you're in a new place, a new venue for you? And, and uh, this happens to me at the hospital quite a bit, Deb. I go down there and I'm walking around and there's signs everywhere, but you know, I'm not paying attention. And so the next thing I know, I'm looking around aimlessly and some kind person comes up, can I help you find something? And you know, I tell them what I'm looking for and they go, well, it's right there. And, you know, there's a sign. There's a sign. And the only thing it doesn't say is, hey, stupid. <laughs> this is what you're looking for. It stops short of insulting me, but it says, this is what you're looking for. And so signs are a very familiar thing to us, and we, we benefit from them. And in the same way, we should be prepared for Christ's second coming by being alert to the signs. And I'm not going to name all of those for you, but, you know, Jesus did say that his second coming would be accompanied by deception, by 
uh, uh, apathy about religion and the things of the faith. He said that there would be persecution. He said there'd be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines. And he said all these things would happen. And he said, keep your eye on Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the focal point for all prophetic history. In fact, I've had the privilege of taking two of my children to the Holy Land, and in both cases, I stood them on that place called the Temple Mount, and I stood them right in a place that the Arabs refer to as the navel, and they mean like belly button, you know? And I've said to them, you know, this is, this is aptly named because the scripture tells us that this is ground zero for all of the significant events of world history. Well, it may or may not be from an archaeological standpoint, but I will bet you that if you're in Jerusalem somewhere around that place, you're in ground zero for big, big events. And Jesus wants us to understand that if we'll keep our eyes on the signs, we won't be surprised when we see the things that the signs indicate are coming. And so this is my advice to you. Just as I have advised you, to be prepared in this cold, wintry weather. Have you ever heard one of those stories? Every year you hear them, you know, about somebody who wasn't very prepared and they lost control of their car and went into a ditch and they're literally within a mile of their home or the place they were going and nobody knows. They're down in a ditch. The car is hidden from view. They're freezing, they're hungry, they're cold, they're stuck. And thankfully, it usually works out just fine. But people will ask them, well, what happened? And they'll say, well, I was just going to the store. I was just going down to the church, and I hit a patch of ice that I didn't expect. And I wasn't prepared to be in my car for very long, and I really thought I was going to die. Have you heard those stories? I have. They're much more tragic in places that are out west in the mountains and that kind of thing. But fortunately, around here, it usually ends well. But the interesting thing is, is that you could say to them, justifiably, well, now, didn't you see the signs? Did you see how the temperature dropped? Did you see that the calendar indicates this is that time of the year when you can expect this sort of thing? Did you see how uh, uh, in all of your driving experience, you've noticed they have signs around bridges and things that say watch for ice, you know? I mean, the signs everywhere to tell you don't be lackadaisical, don't be lazy, don't be, don't be cocky. Have you noticed, as I have, that the people that seem to be in the ditch most of the time out on the highways are those who got a little cocky, got a little sure of themselves, and drove foolishly, and they ended up in a bad way? It's really like that for us, too. And unfortunately, the Western experience of Christmas has evolved into this. It starts around mid-October, right? The stores start putting out all the Christmas stuff. They've already put the Halloween stuff on clearance, right? And they put out all the Christmas stuff. And, and, you know, in some communities, people are decorating their homes and things as early as the 1st of November. And, and so Christmas in the Western secular view starts sometime around the end of October, and it ends promptly on Christmas Day. And... Uh, I think I might be among friends here on this one, but Laura and I, we were kind of stubborn, and we always leave our tree up at least until Epiphany, until the 12th day, you know, we're kind of funny that way, but, but uh, I think we might be okay in this community from what I can tell. 
But the interesting thing is, is that, that people have made Christmas into a season of light, which is okay, because here in the Northern Hemisphere, it gets pretty dark and cold, and the light makes us feel good, and that's a great thing. And they turned it into a season of giving, and that's a good thing. That's not bad. And they've turned it into, um, you know, something that, and I'm not going to be one of these Christmas haters. I'm just saying, that, you know, we've kind of evolved this thing into something sort of devoid of faith. And the thing that we want to know as surely as we can, no matter what, is that as he was promised in the beginning, so he is promised in the end. That he came as a helpless baby, and even then it was said that when he returned, he'd be anything but. And so we want to be ready. The people who were looking for the baby Jesus found him. They knew where to look. They had read the signs. You know, Simeon, he knew the minute he laid eyes on this baby that he was seeing, the Messiah he'd been waiting for forever. And so we are reminded through Advent that this is what we should be doing. That even while we enjoy our Christmas celebrations, and rightly so, we're also celebrating the fact that God keeps all of God's promises. And that the rest of God's promises will come to pass. And while some of it might seem frightening and confusing, as Peter said about Paul, what we're understanding is, is that it's all good news. And while there may be discomfort and there may be scary things and there may be pain and there may be a lot of things, we are eternal because of Jesus Christ and therefore we have nothing to fear. We have only to be patient and long-suffering and confident that God never fails to keep God's promises. So what should we do to get ready? And this is where I'll leave it today. First, accept the gift of hope while you live. Understand that we have a blessed hope that comes because we have been born again in Jesus Christ, that when we've accepted that Christ was born and lived and died and rose again, also that we could be in a right relationship with God despite our nature as sinners. And so when we've accepted that gift of grace, this is why the gifts are given at Christmas, right? It's a reminder. Santa gives gifts because Santa loves Jesus. And Santa wants the children to feel the love of Jesus. We are given a blessed hope and we should accept it in this life. Jesus said, then pray and understand that God the Father does know when all of this is going to pass and he tells you that if you will pray regularly, asking God to open your eyes to see the signs, you won't be caught off guard. You won't be fooled by the deceptions. You won't be led astray. Remain in prayer, especially in perilous times. Listen. That's the next thing you need to do. Listen for the voice of God. God will speak to you from the pulpit. God will speak to you from the scriptures. God will speak to you in the hymns. In the Christmas songs we sing, how many of these Christmas carols that you love so dearly have you really listened to lately? They're loaded with terrific doctrine and theology. They're loaded with the truth that I'm trying to share with you today, which you have heard now three times at least. Four, watch. Keep your eyes wide open. 
Don't be Dan at the hospital. Read the signs before somebody has to tell you, look, stupid. I'm sorry, that's not very kind. Read the signs. Be aware. Watch. And finally, store up treasure in heaven. So I told you to be prepared by putting some things in your car so that you'd be prepared for the inevitable difficulty that will come with this season of our life. I'm telling you that the thing you can store up that will make the most impact when eternity is staring you in the eye is what you have stored in heaven, not what you have stored on earth. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for your word. Now burn it upon our hearts. Change us forever by your word, we pray. Amen.